0: Welcome everyone to a brand new episode of the Jams and D Podcast, where we spend the jams and spill the tea. I'm Jake. I'm Morgan. I'm Riley. And with us this week we have our returning guests from episodes where we covered things like Midnight Mass and Evangelion 1.0 plus 3.0 last year. Uh, we have with us Jen. Hello. <laughs> the 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 fellow Kentuckian. Riley is now completely surrounded and by yeah. by one of us who looks a lot like him. And this week we are covering three records. We're talking about two new releases. We're going to be talking about the new album from Pine Grove. We're going to be talking about 11, 11. And we're going to be talking about Country Stuff the Album. Not Country Stuff the Album. Country Stuff the Album by Walker Hayes. And
1: to be clear, we should distinguish Country Stuff the Album from Country Stuff the EP and Country Stuff the Song and Country Stuff the Motion Picture. <laughs>
0: Country I stuff. Hate, I novels. hate this country.
1: Our record club this week was on Say Anythings is a Real Boy, an emo classic. So go and check that out if you have not already. And last week, our new release reviews were the new albums from Boris and Fox Tales. Boris and Box Tales. Exactly. If you're on YouTube listening to us as per usual, We're grateful to have you, but you also should be aware that we are now available on multiple platforms. You can listen to audio versions of the main episodes and record clubs from this week and every week onwards uh, on Spotify, on Apple Music, on Google Podcasts. Basically, I'm trying to put it on everywhere where you can get podcasts. Um, Just in case the show is is less accessible to you when it's on YouTube and you want to be able to kind of listen to it on the go or or whatever, kind of just give you the option that's now available. We have links in the description below. They'll be in the description of every video. So check that out as well on your preferred streaming platform. Um, And yeah, let's get into, as we do per usual, what we have been listening to in the past seven days. Jake, what have you been listening to this week?
0: Probably more music than I've listened to in any single week-long span in the, in an entire fucking year for whatever goddamn reason. But uh, some things that might interest the people here from the black metal, death metal, progressive metal-ish band, Enslaved. They are a band who is frequently compared to Opeth. And so naturally I was like, ooh, okay. And like, basically it was on the Opeth subreddit. Somebody described them as just like, they're like Opeth, but with black metal. And also uh, they have an enormous discography. And then I looked up their discography on Rate Your Music and lo and behold, they have like a bajillion albums and all of them have insanely high ratings. Uh, So I listened to their album, uh, Below the Lights, I was not like, this was not like a still life situation where I listened to a band's highest highest rated album and I was just like, whoa, this is a masterpiece. That said this is a terrific album. Again, it has the same appeal as something like Opeth, but they have a lot harsher kind of stuff. That sort of black metal edge kind of works its way into the sound pretty deeply. I would highly recommend it to pretty much everyone I know who likes that kind of music. There's some songs on here that are plainly great. And then there are songs on here that do sort of ascribe to that level of like legendary hyperbole that are just fucking outstanding just absolutely blew me away that's a band I definitely need to look more into but yeah uh, absolutely get a recommendation from me I listened to uh, a fair bit of uh, like jazz adjacent stuff this week too. Uh, I listened to the first re- release from Slauson Malone, uh, otherwise known as the nephew of jazz musician Wynton Marsalis. Oh, right. I'm pretty sure he did production work or maybe this was a reverse. He Basically, this album is very similar to Earl Sweatshirt's Some Rap Songs. Um, It's kind of sound collage and like dark and ambient. It isn't the first time I've listened to it. It's a great record, but I listened to that. And I also listened to Trust in the Life Force of the Deep Mystery, uh, which is a sort of jazz fusion album by the band The Comet Is Coming. Uh, That's another album that I heard when it came out, and it's still terrific. I actually like that even more. But the outstanding sort of jazz adjacent album I really want to shout out is something that came from an unexpected place because I didn't really expect it to be jazz. And it kind of half is jazz, half is ambient, half is sound collage half is whatever but uh it's uh an album by my favorite ambient musician that i never shut the fuck up about harold Budd, uh and his album the pavilion of dreams which is just fucking terrific i that's the album i think i've been listening to the most this week it's four sort of ambient pieces jazz pieces there's one that like the first song there it's like ambient and then just a saxophone just dominates the track, and it's godlike. And then there's like these female vocal harmonies that come in later, and they're just gorgeous. It's a beautiful record, otherworldly, like deeply, like meditative. And then the second half becomes really haunting. It's a really, really, really great album. Uh, one of his best, in my opinion. Um, or that bitch on vinyl because I I I, I need to own more of his shit. I also gave a re-listen to an album that I've had a bit of a fraught relationship with just because I listened to it at sort of the beginning of my musician like or my like music fan kind of uh, tenure just like when I was really getting into lots of different bands and genres and stuff and I didn't really have a way in other than knowing that this is one of the most acclaimed albums like in its respective genre it's a very music twitter-y uh record and band and I just listened to it and I was just like "Eh, it's just not for me. Uh, and that is uh, Death Grips The Money Store, uh, and I since revisited that album like a couple years ago and came back and was just like, I like this, this is good, still doesn't really do anything for me, um, and I revisited it, and I, you know, I I like that album, it's very good, um, nowhere near my favorite Death Grips project as of right now, but it's still very like, the, the appeal really is that the beats on that are just fucking monstrous uh I I love them they're great uh it's just an amazingly it's just it sounds fucking incredible um it it does feel a bit like kind of if such a thing can be boilerplate death grips that kind of feels like the 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 blueprint they build everything off of like I even think I like ex-military a little bit more just because that's a more extreme like that they've pushed their sound to, whereas, like, you know, again, The Money Store just sort of feels like this is where we will go with everything. Um, I think maybe, you know, I don't really like government plates all that much, uh, but I'm a really big fan of shit like Year of the Snitch and especially uh, Bottomless Pit. But yeah, I, admittedly, I'm not the biggest Death Grips person on the face of planet Earth, but I, I, that that album's finally grown with me in the way that I think something like that should. So I'm I'm happy I kind of gave that, uh, a bit of a re-listen. And the last thing I will talk about uh, is uh, I'm going to take my, 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 my Jake flag, put it in the ground here and say that, yes, I have indeed heard maybe not what other people will think uh, is the worst album of 2022, but certainly what I will think is the worst album of 2022. Uh, and I, and I, I don't see myself budging. I, I, when I make claims like this, I mean it. So remember this is that uh, I listened to the newest album from power metal band, Iced Earth. But calling them a power metal band here really doesn't really, doesn't really fit the equation, considering this is not a power metal album. It's not a metal album, in fact.
1: I, I want to. I don't know if you were repaying on doing this, but I want to bring up hmm. the genre tags
0: for mm-hmm. this
1: on Rate Your Music. Oh, yeah. Please, please go ahead. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so there's three genre t- tags for this album. The first is spoken word. Uh-huh. It's already like, um, you know, it, it's disconcerting. The second <laughs> is neoclassical dark wave. Yep. Yep. So already, like, I'm picturing a very specific thing, like sort of Emma Ruth rundle Tru-
0: Truly uh, lingua ignata-esque.
1: Yeah, like, like, I'm picturing a certain thing. Uh, uh, that's certainly far away from Power metal anyway. And then the third oh. label, <laughs> one I've never seen before. Epic music.
0: Yeah, uh, okay. So um, <laughs> I Actually, don't really know about that third one, frankly. um, <laughs> but the first two are somewhat correct. and and thus kind of umbrella as to what is wrong with the album is that first of all, it's I, I need to emphasize this album is, like 70 minutes long
2: so when it's
0: when it's spoken word and the the lead sing it's just like the spoken word has one mode and that mode is the car is on fire and there is no driver it's that voice it's that voice for 70 it's 70 minutes and um the best part i haven't even mentioned the best part yet this is anti-vaxxer propaganda this is <laughs> uh this oh is no like, shit like mega right wing shit like like i mean like tucker carlson could never like this is It's amazing. It's just like immediately, like, we don't need your vaccines that make us more susceptible to the blah blah. Like, it just
2: becomes like a fucking vaccination. I'm
1: sorry. I have to bring up here in the comment box on Write Your Music. There is this comment that I love from a user called Power Metal 2000. And it says, um, I love this because I have no context for what's being referred to here. But unlike some people, I can separate Iced Earth's music from John's actions last year. The music what? here, the music here isn't oh. bad. And this would <laughs> have was, been a pretty was He was that January
2: 6th. I just remembered that.
1: All right. Well, there we go. No way. Oh, here, shit. <laughs>
2: the music
1: here isn't bad. And this would have been a pretty cool instrumental album. A misspelling of cool yeah. Uh, but as a spoken word album ellipses it's a fail <laughs> I'm okay i'm gonna okay. choose
0: to believe that this isn't real Epic
1: in,
3: fail! I
0: think you're in, making this up. The this could be a good instrumental thing. Okay, politics aside, I'm gonna go in on that statement. These instrumentals sound like they were picked off a royalty-free website. They sound like they're just like you know, like vague kind of like ambience. and then occasionally there'll be like a like an like epic trumpet sound or like <laughs> like a marching like fucking drum beat that's just like, dum 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 dum. So, dum
1: wait, wait, dum, wait, wait, dum, wait, dum. wait see, hang on a minute. And, <laughs> this band this band so i just assumed okay this is some fucking whatever rando project this no. band are like they have a history they're like they're, well regarded i've i've
0: listened to their music before they have they have a concept album that is based off of Todd Howard's Todd Howard Jesus Christ Todd Howard <laughs> fuck me it just <laughs> works Todd Howard. Oh, let me just We're just going to skip past the fact that I said that completely wrong name. Just go, they have a concept album based off of Spawn. Album Uh, cover has Spawn. Cobb and Farland. Thank you. They, they have an album and it's good. Like they have made very good music in the past. Like they, they're, they're a band I found out because podcast uh, guest Zach mentioned that he listened to a lot of them when he listened to Death for the first time. And I listened to a couple of their albums last year and they, they're good. They're like good power metal they're nothing like they didn't blow me away or anything right but like you can sort of see the kind of like Megadeth progression of their album titles and album covers of like they just slowly get like more and more like creepingly unsubtle about their right-wing tendencies to the point where they actually do have an album that's called like dystopia or some shit which you know they fucking, have the, the
1: incredible like ayn rand-esque album title the crucible of man
0: yeah yeah that's one um, um but this know, year like, is God.
1: It makes sense because I look at this Rate Your Music page and they've had, like, this band has had, like, 30 members. Yep. Like, so many yep. lineup changes. So it, it makes sense now how you get from and classic power metal band to whatever the fuck this narrative soundscape is. I just, just want to That's out, the
0: name of the album, a
2: narrative yeah, soundscape. The, yeah, the name of the album is a narrative soundscape. And every song on it is parentheses... Is the title and then parentheses...
0: A narrative soundscape. (laughs) That's every kind of why. I hate it so much, is because it's like trying to be like, oh, we're going to put the parentheses here so we can get away with the fact that this is actually dog shit. It's like, you know, you know that this sucks. I'm not going to give this shit a pass because this band has made work that's like positively rated to like, like, like it wasn't like a complete com-
1: like fall off.
0: They've made good music like they recently. They have one of the
1: highest rated live albums of all time, Alive in Athens. It's got a 4.0 from over a thousand ratings.
0: They're a fun band. And listening to this is like, it's, it's the only joy I've eked from this is the fact that it's like the story of the narrative here is like, you know, baby's first 1984, the the, the system man, Roger Waters adjacent Jason kind of bullshit. Exactly what you're imagining, right? Like the hero has to stand against the system and the voice that talks like this for every single thing. And then there's like just the song where it's just like, here's a wolf, man. <laughs> like here's a werewolf and he eats his family and then the song's over and then they're just like here's dracula and i'm just like where's the fucking goblins and ghouls and (laughs) zombies without a conscience fucking goddamn like like this is worse than anything i heard last year close to being as bad as the shit that i heard um in in 2020 probably and it has basically worse than hobo Oh, 100%. Because keep in mind, I didn't listen to the, the Hobo Johnson album proper. I listened to Alienates' fan base, um, which is like, oh, okay. is so bad that I feel like giving it a designation as like the worst anything lets it win. Because that's the album's goal, it's right? like 20 to be minutes, like,
1: right? And this is fucking
0: yes, minutes yeah. yeah, this is 70 minutes. And it's like, I guarantee you, I would be saying this even if the politics weren't dog shit, even if this was just like, vote for bernie like it's so bad it's so awful like these instrumentals are dry and lifeless and shitty it's so fucking boring so uh instead of listening to that uh go listen to i also listened to an uh album by one of my favorite uh progressive metal bands moon sorrow the age of gods the last album that they made and it's great it's a perfect album and it's also 70 minutes long go listen to that instead of the Dice earth album They're better. They deserve more love than Iced Earth does. Amen. That uh
2: John Schaefer, the gentleman of Iced Earth, who was at the Capitol on January 6th, is one of the founding members of the Oath Keepers. If you don't know, well, everybody okay, so everybody who knows what that is just threw up in their mouths. uh, (laughs) Oh no.
1: Oh no I am no. yeah I, I've googled it. Oh Jesus. You, you wanna well, Look, it's so the, dark. There are there are far-right anti-government militia who uh, act in the name of uh defending the constitution and encourage civil disobedience in the name of the constitution. So, yeah, so it's
3: government association that me... fights in the name of a
0: government document. <laughs> yeah, you know shush the the point is is that this is god-awful dog shit and it's also the kind of god-awful dog shit that like like this is this is bad in the same way that like that eric clapton song was bad and then it was just like you you know what you're doing this is just Does this exist to be a shitty dog whistle that you can just passively make money off of? Because you're not actually angry about this because if you were, it would be more interesting. If you were angry about it, it would be like more from the soul and like probably cringier. And instead it's just like, really, man? I could have made this album. Give me like a stock royalty-free website. Give me those instrumentals. I could make my own version of this album. Fuck
2: you. Also says that he was in in prison for... Quite a while after January sixth, he, he was the first person to plead guilty, which is interesting.
0: Uh, oh, so he's so, a coward too. Well, I mean, I, you know, you know, everybody he's, has already, he's already did. I'm calling him a little bitch, baby. Come get me, bitch. He, 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 no, legitimately though, he will be, he will have died
1: of coronavirus by the time this video goes
0: out. That's exactly time. why I'm threatening him. <laughs> His COVID-athlete body will be shuffling up to my doorstep and I'll punch him.
1: Uh,
0: yeah. What an image.
1: Morgan, um, what have you yeah. been listening to this week?
2: Uh, it's another one of those weeks where I've been listening to quite a fair bit and I can talk about very little of it. Yeah, right. For reasons. So I will note that I listened to an album that recently hit its 25th anniversary. It was an album I hadn't heard of until Riley actually brought it up. It was uh, Minerals, The Power of Failing. Um, Oh, yes. And that, like, I wouldn't call that a perfect album, but there are songs on there that are like, this is emo. (laughs) You, like, have, you have invented emo.
1: I think I tweeted, because uh, I listened to this on its anniversary as well for the first time, and the closing track on that album, Parking Lot, like I'm pretty yeah. sure I tweeted, that's like uh, in the league of yeah. like, Honestly by American Football and Just Watch the Fireworks by Jimmy World and fucking In Circles by Sunday Day Real Estate as like peak 90s emo. Like
2: Damn. just one of the yeah. best
1: fucking songs in the whole genre yeah
2: yeah it's good dope is it is
1: it's a really um, great record i probably love it even more than morgan but like we both agree that it's if you like emo music if you like 90s rock music you really have to listen to it i'm actually they only made two albums and they're both like regarded as classics so i'm really looking forward to listening to the other one in
2: serenading this week as, as well. is As is the Midwest emo modus operandi.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. But I got a lot of respect for that,
1: though. Like, just drop two albums, they're both fucking stone cold classics, and then dip. Yeah. I respect it.
2: Had to do it to them. So, the the other thing that I will mention is that Tegan and Sarah announced that they are doing a sort of reworking for uh, their album, So Jealous, uh, called Still Jealous it will be released uh shit is that fucking yeah next a week from friday today Uh, that's my
0: favorite tegan and sarah
2: yeah i I listened to that again and like jesus it's good Uh, so good yeah like wake wake up exhausted just one of the best songs ever written by anybody yes Um, fuck yes I could, I could see a record club on that at some point oh and
1: yeah that's what, a great one guess what fellas i've never listened to a tegan and Sierra album so you're fake gay
0: how, yeah. i was gonna say how homophobic of you
1: it's just it's not only homophobic it like it doesn't make sense considering no how it doesn't it, right and, and,
0: no and, i mean like you should be like oh yeah I, i've loved so jealous since i was like nine like i don't like
1: what <laughs> no i haven't i just never have for whatever reason so i will promise you i'll rectify that this week hell yeah i'm the one who's always saying like these here's this weirdo indie classic that you need to listen to
2: yeah well which is part of our what we're getting at here is because like half of the time we're listening to weirdo indie shit that you're like ah yes my father's favorite from his collection since he since i was a toddler
1: (gasps) My my dad's taste in music is probably honestly a, a lot less based than I maybe make it out to be. I, I really no, just you
0: you said hesitation marks was his favorite Nine Inch Nails album. That is that is the peak threshold of based. That's true, yeah. It's wrong, but like, yeah, cool. like I, yeah. But he he would my, also
1: like come on here and like tell you why Genesis are better than Rush. So you know, either.
2: Well, I you know. I see the argument for that. It's a it's it's incorrect argument, but you know. (laughs) All
1: I'm saying is dad, come to the podcast, (laughs) please. All I'm saying is that you know Lander contrasts human beings. Uh, Confusion. Hell. Okay, so Jake said at the top of the segment, this has been one of the most prolific weeks of his life for music listening, and it has also been that for me as well. I've listened to. I guess probably over 20 albums since we last did a podcast. I, don't, I just have been really sad. Um, and I, Picking which ones to shout out is actually really, really difficult. I will say one album that we considered reviewing this week um, briefly oh. is the new Hikaru Utada album, Bad Mode. Which mm-hmm. um I'm sure it seems like everyone except me knew who this person was before I discovered this album on the radio music charts. To be fair,
0: that's not because of music knowledge. That is a hundred percent because Morgan and I are Kingdom Hearts fags. That's it.
1: Well, there we go. So Hikaru Utada, legendary J-pop artist, incredibly famous in Japan. And um having a bit of a crossover moment here. I mean, obviously crossed over for nerds a long time ago, but having a bit of a wider <laughs> crossover a moment here with this album, which I believe is their first, and which has both uh, English and Japanese uh, singing and mm-hmm. lyricism, multiple really cool and fascinating production collabs, including Floating Points, A.G. Cook of PC Music fame, and Skrillex, um, and they all basically provide them with a basis for their sound that it's really, really strong. Like, there's a lot of really, really strong songs on this record, and I recommend checking it out. Um, I want to come back to it and give it a, a bit more, a few more listens because I've just consumed so much music this week. But really stood out to me, um, so I wanted to definitely give it a shout out because we could have easily. I, I up
0: second that. It's, it's a very good record.
1: Last week we had Connor on the show, legendary podcast guest, Connor, frequent podcast guest. And uh, when Connor was on the show in his, what we've been listening to segment, he shouted out a bunch of metalcore that he was Mm -hmm. kind of diving into. And so, and one album that he, well, a couple of albums that he shouted out actually really stood out to me. But one album in particular, I got around to listening to uh, from a short-lived metalcore band called Seven Angels, Seven Plagues. Uh, This is the only album they put out, although they would then later reform, I think, with new members to form a different medical band called Misery Signals, which I'm looking forward to getting into because they have multiple albums produced by Devon Townsend, Um, but that's a different story. Uh, Seven Angels, Seven Plagues put out one album, Jasmine's Lullaby, in 2001, and it is quite simply one of the best metalcore albums I've ever heard. Uh, It is absolutely fucking devastating. Uh, lyricism and vocal delivery-wise, this thing is here to make you sad and suicidal and just feel awful. But if you're in the mood for that and that's the kind of vibe you want from your metalcore, which if you're into metalcore, it probably is. All for help. Then this is, I mean, this is essential. It has one of the best, maybe the best metalcore song not made by Converge or Dillinger Escape Plan, I guess, but they're kind of more mathcore. Um, Anyway, there are songs on this record that that will just lick your biscuits absolutely listen oh. to it <laughs> it is not my biscuits some of the most urgent and beautiful and just intense and and heart-wrenching middlecore ever heard and then it ends with a fucking piano ballad that just just completely tears you apart like shit it's by far the most emotional new listen of the week for me
0: I, I, I love option paralysis
1: i mean <laughs> if you the jasmine's lullaby check that shit out it, it's short and oh my god uh on the note of heavy shit i also listened to the uh legendary norwegian yeah norwegian black metal turned electronica band Ulver's oh. uh black metal opus Nutten's madrigal which was the last album they made and. The last black metal album they made before pivoting to trip hop and electronica with perdition city which i also listened to this week and is great but i want to shout out natin's madrigal because this is bar none the most offensive album i've ever heard i don't mean offensive in terms of like you know edgy content or anything like that nothing to do with that it is by far the most painful listening experience i've ever had with an album that i consider great the way this is produced is like they're literally recording in a tin can and they make it and they make it sound like the best shit you ever heard in the world it helps that melodically and compositionally this is just some of the most god mode black metal ever made like we're talking legendary status um and it's recorded in this way that makes it sound like Lou Reed's middle machine music, essentially, like it makes it sound <laughs> absolutely yeah. unlistenable. But also, like you can't, it's 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 like you guys will get the appeal. But I, th- I, I, there's no way of like describing this without making it sound completely unappealing. It's physically painful to listen to. It made my ears sore, and I had the volume down so low. But it's like amazing. <laughs> it's just amazing. <laughs>
0: As an unironic enjoyer of Lou Reed's Metal Machine music, cool.
1: It's amazing. There's a song on here called Wolf and Passion that has like some of the most gorgeous melodies I've ever heard in black metal. And the rest of it will just eat your face off. It is just a corrosive album. That's actually the best way of describing it, is corrosive. It's like pouring fucking sulfuric acid into your ears and I, I it makes cannot... It the
0: Bathory albums I've listened to sound like Opeth from what I'm get- gathering here.
1: Well, I mean... Jake, you probably have a little bit more of a reference point for if you listen to this to tell me whether I'm exaggerating or not. But to me, like I, I I've Fair never enough. heard anything that sounds this just completely fucked. Have you heard Dark Throne at all? I have heard Dark Throne. That was a okay. reference point. Like it's, it's Dark Throne certainly not a million miles away from this. And obviously, Dark okay. Throne and Olvia in their early era were kind of coming out of the same scene and making equally kind of important music. But The it, it,
0: baseline for ugly shit in that say genre. I not it makes so. Dark
1: Throne sound, well, I think actually what I said in the DMs was it made Dark Throne sound like fucking Disney Channel or something. It's not quite <laughs> that extreme. Dark Throne is comparable Nocturnal culto. Dark Throne is comparable <laughs> to this, um, but it's still like this takes the cake for me. And I also enjoy this more than um, the Dark Throne that I've heard as well, although I need to listen to more of their stuff. Um, what else will I shout out? Okay, so I, I listened to a classic of IDM and more sort of ambient techno than IDM, to be honest. It's not super danceable. It's more sort of relaxing techno music, but it's a classic. Uh, I have heard had heard parts of it when I was a child. I'm sort of familiar with it from like educating myself in the genre growing up, but I'd never really given it a full and dedicated listen until this week. I know if August were here, he'd be cheering me on because this is one of his favorite ambient records, I think, or at least... He shouted it out as a really special and influential album on him when I interviewed him and Mason about Glacier Flower. And that's the album 7614 by Global Communication. Uh, Came out in 1994. Again, as I say, this is a classic of ambient techno. If ambient techno or IDM are things that appeal to you, listen to this. Um, I'm basically just adding Jake and Morgan, to be honest, as well. Gene, I don't know much about your taste in music, but you might enjoy it too it's a really, really beautiful record, it's lush, it has gorgeously languorous melodies, it's very easy to listen to, um, and it just takes you on a journey, and it's gorgeous, it's um, uh, 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 probably, hang on, let me think about this for a second, I think it might be the best thing I heard this week, um for the first time i'm not sure there's a couple Love other things all
0: the titles are times and i clicked on 9:25, which is nine minutes and 34 seconds long
1: that's the streaming that's a fuck up on streaming so um streaming Thanks, the stream, apple music the streaming version is like re <laughs> swapped the order of two of the tracks and like added weird sort of like anyway i can send you like the files that are not it's still listenable on streaming, but it's just not exactly the way it was originally released. Anyway, it's a great album, definitely worth listening to. It's just really, really great, gorgeous music to put on while reading, writing, or just zoning out. Love it. So I don't remember exactly what started this conversation in our group, DM, but eventually you guys ended up talking about the band Yellow Card. For whatever reason yes. so uh and you were kind of like hyping the shit up out of this band right and so i was like okay i i only ever vaguely heard of them kind of i what i've come to understand are sort of pop punk luminaries like quite you know well regarded and i i went and i listened to the song ocean avenue because that's the biggest song and i'm like oh yeah i i do know this song i have heard this before but i've never really like formed you know uh a concept of this band that's
0: their like the middle
1: yeah, I, I can see that now. Anyway, Jake was very insistent that I listened to their album Southern Air, which is kind of one of their later period albums, not sort of when they're at their biggest. But apparently, Southern Air was the one to go to first, and I have to say, this was a really beautiful surprise. I, I really, really enjoyed this. Borderline loved it, and there were certain songs on it that I thought were absolutely fucking fantastic. Particularly one of I mean, my first favorites. The first three on this album in particular really, really stood out to me, particularly that opening track, Awakening, which just is like Mm. everything you would want from like an epic opening track to like a really sort of ambitious sounding pop punk album. Uh, It was by far my favorite song on the record, but I also really enjoyed uh, the two immediately following it and Sleep in the Snow. And actually the album ended really strong too. The last three songs are also really, really strong as well. It's a really great- Rivertown Blues. Rivertown Blues, absolute standout. Uh, it's a really great, fantastic, melodic pop punk record that I highly recommend to fans of the genre, fans of bands like Jimmy Eat World and etc. Uh, it's a really, really, really strong record. Uh, thank you for that. I'll be, I will be listening to more of their albums, or at least I'll listen to um, the Ocean Avenue album just to hear like their their commercial peak. You you <laughs> got to
2: listen. <laughs> yes, you. Yes, you will. <laughs> Se- Self titled. It's
1: on also. the docket. Oh yeah, it is. The, that's too. Uh, that's true. I forgot about that. And
0: two. you can't also skip over if you're through thinking. Say yes, and the self-titled, which has maybe the most criminal underrating I've ever seen on Rate Your Music. Like that that record. Like, what is wrong with people?
1: Yeah, yeah I'm I mean, just that's, looking that's at
0: their best record and uh,
2: un- unqualified ten.
1: So one album I got to this week that I. I always thought I listened to this when it came out in 2016, but I realized that I actually didn't. <laughs> I must have just listened to the singles or anything. But it was one of the most critically well-reviewed albums of 2016, and that's Blood Orange's Freetown Sound. Uh, Blood oh. Orange is a, is an artist who I've had a weird kind of like on the fence relationship with, where I like a lot of his production work and uh, I like mm-hmm. a lot of the artists that he has. I produce songs for, and I think that he's really, really talented, but I've never really connected with his music. And then I realized that, well, the only album of his I've heard in full is Cupid Deluxe, which is not a bad album. It's just not really my thing. Um, but I have some mutuals on Ratney Music who have reviewed Freetown Sound and uh, his most recent album, Negro Swan, very highly and very positively. So I really want to check those out. And so I started with Freetown Sound. And yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed this. It, it's a really sort—it's of, a bit languorous for its own good. It, it's definitely a, an album that's longer than it needs to be. But there's also a, enough really strong melodies and choruses, and just really sharp pop songwriting for me to be really on board with it. Also, I guess I was just kind of in the mood for it, and it hit at the right moment as well. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed this, and I'm looking forward to checking out um, Negro Swan because that appears to be his most highly rated and most well-regarded album so i am really looking forward to that but yeah this was just a nice little discovery that i for whatever reason must have not gotten to or avoided in 2016 when it was getting hyped up and yeah i dug the shit out of it i want to shout out the fact that uh in one week big thief are releasing their new album dragon oh god what's it called it's got a really long title dragon new warm mountain i believe in you Uh, And so I wanted to go back through Big Thief's previous records and rediscover why I enjoy this band. And the weird thing about Big Thief, this is a common story that I've heard from a lot of people who've listened to them, is they're kind of the definition of a grower band. Like, most of their music is not very immediate, with some exceptions. They have some individual songs, like Mary off of Capacity and Not off of Two Hands. That I think anyone would love if you, if you were to listen to them. They're just incredible songs in and of themselves. But their albums as a whole can be a little bit too meandering for some people, particularly if you're not really into kind of folk music. Um, what's exciting about Big Thief though is the way they kind of sized up and, and made their sound more ambitious from record to record. And it seems like their new album is going to be their most ambitious one yet, which I'm really excited for, especially considering it's a double album. Um, But I went back and listened to their first album, which is boldly titled Masterpiece. And I thoroughly enjoyed this more than I was expecting to, because for me, like, I always think of them as the band that really came into their own with UFOF in 2019. Um, But this album really struck me. It's, again, like Capacity, the album that follows it, which has some of my favorite songs of the decade on it. It's not like it doesn't quite come together uh, as a whole. But the individual moments are astounding. The title track and Real Love and Paul, those three songs in particular on Masterpiece, are some of the best indie rock slash indie folk songs of the 2010s, undeniably. Just like Mythological Beauty and Mary off of Capacity are on that list as well. It wasn't even though it wasn't until UFOF, in my opinion, that they made like a properly front to back, really strong record. Masterpiece and Capacity are still worth um, listening to or at least those songs because they're just genuinely unbelievably gorgeous. And then Two Hands, the album they put out the same year as UFOF, super underrated. That album is their shortest, their punchiest, their loudest, their most guitar heavy. And of course it has Not On It, which is their best song. Um, But yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to this new album. I'm going to continue revisiting these records over the next week. And we'll see whether Dragon New Warm Mountain, I believe, in you delivers. The singles they've released for their album so far have been really strong, so I, am, I have a lot of faith. And mostly I'm just pleased to finally get this band. I feel like they've kind of evaded me for a long time. Or I've never really been able to commit to them and understand them, but I'm starting to really get it now. And it's affirming, I'm, I'm excited. It's nice to be really excited for a new record from this band. Another thing I'll shout out is a a very different album that August recommended to me and that we kind of happened to end up listening to at the same time. And so we were kind of just DMing each other about it. Um, And that is an album with an unpronounceable title uh, because it's not words or letters. It is an album that the title is just like a symbol of a square with a circle in it and then it's that repeated like 30 times. That's the name of the album. And the artist is also kind of unpronounceable. It's Kebramuse, I think. I'm not sure how to say that. Uh, point being, August said, listen to this shit. It's fucking crazy. And when August says that, I, I listen, right? Because when August yeah. when August refers to anything using like hyperbolic language or using like excessive language, you know he means it. And so I put this album on. It's a kind of, it's a flashcore record, which is a subgenre of um, ex- of extreme electronic music that is kind of the meeting point of breakcore, which is the kind of really aggressive drum and bass variant that you think of Venetian snares when you hear, and glitch, which is sort of like, um, well, glitch is kind of self-evident. But anyway, it's a kind of weird, mad fusion of the two things. And it has a super industrial heaviness to it uh it is it and the thing you got to realize about it above all of this shit about unpronounceable titles and whatever this fucking knocks this goes so hard this is like pummeling it's like someone took the most kind of esoteric but like uh, hard-hitting elements of like Ortega's really languorous and long expansive 2010s work and then condensed all of it down into a series of three or four minute songs and it's just like 45 minutes it just pummels you with that heaviness it's just like it's fucking awesome like I've described these albums I've listened to this week in a lot of ways but this is the one more than anything else it's just like fucking awesome like I just kicks ass I, I highly, highly recommend it. If you can find a way to to search for it or download it. Yeah, it's, it's going to say, I don't have that fucking key <laughs> on my keyboard, home. Um, but anyway, it, it's dope <laughs> as shit. Um, like with the Global Communication album, I'm happy to send it to anyone who wants to listen to it. But yeah, lots of fun.
0: Love, um, love artists making albums that are impossible to find.
1: Gets a, anyway, gets stream that, really... new
0: God, or that old God Speedy Black Emperor album that leaked.
1: Well, that's, yeah, that's, like, that's also pretty big news this week. So
0: huh?
1: I'll, I'll, for those not in the know, a demo, a legendary demo from Godspeed, Your Black Emperor, called All Lights Fucked on the Hairy Amp Drooling, from, like, 1994, I think, which has always kind of had this kind of legendary status among, like, lost albums. Um, the thing you've got to realize about it, though, is the band never wanted it to be released it's really kind of like from I haven't listened to it but from what I understand it's really sort of like shoddy and just weird sort of demos from when they were kind of figuring out their sound and for some reason the fact that it was never available um, I think this has something to do with Mew as well when this band was like when in the late 2000s when Mew was like going fucking gonzo for this band and there was just something about a recording of theirs from the early era not being available it made people fucking go rabid um but apparently it's unconfirmed apparently apparently it's available now uh although there's a a quite uh, it's not funny but i found this amusing that um on the band's discord uh representatives for the band posted a message saying like it is available we ask please that you do not listen to it (laughs) We we, do not, <laughs> we we do not want this to be heard. So it's like, um, I mean, you're saying this to a group Understand of internet that. people. You're saying this to a group of internet people who've just discovered this thing that, well, last thing I I'm going to mention, I could mention a bunch more, like the new Krellis album, but I might talk about that next week when I listen to some more Krellis. But the last thing I want to mention, like with Big Thief having a new album out in next week, or this week probably by the time that you're listening to this, Cult of Luna's new album comes out on the 11th. We've already talked about it on this podcast and the What We've Been Listening To segment. Uh, still my album of the year so far. Not really anything close. Uh, that shit is next level. But I wanted to go back and listen to some more Cult of Luna. And so I was directed very speedily to the album they put out just before it in 2019, A Dawn to Fear. Oh, oh, Lord, she praying. This, I don't even have words for how good this is. Like, I was so close to giving this a 10, but I just, like, couldn't do it on first list, and I've updated my rating system, and I'm in a whole, like, trying to figure out how weary Realms sits in my lists right now and shit, so I need to spend more time with a record before I can do that, but fuck if this isn't close to a 10. This shit is, like... Some of to even say this is some of the best sludge metal, post metal that I've ever heard is like to do it to, to not even remotely do it justice. This is some of the best metal that I've ever heard. Like it is just unbelievable. Like it, it it's just it it's eighty minutes long, and it has eight tracks. So that already tells oh, you. Oh God, yes. That you're in for some fucking A pornographic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, (laughs) the shortest tracks are, like, six, seven minutes, and the longest track is 15, so it's, and the the 15 minute track, by the way, will absolutely tear all of your skin off. This shit, uh, I compared it to Neurosis's uh, Through Silver and Blood, Um, not in the sense that they sound alike, although they're obviously like, from similar, they're obviously both kind of from the same, cut from a similar cloth, like Cult of Lunar are doing now sort of what Neurosis were doing in the 90s, but they make it sound like, you know, of the current era, like super influenced by Neurosis. But it also feels like that in the sense that it's another 80-minute sludgy post-metal album that just rips you to shreds the entire time. Uh, Well, except for when it's like lushly beautiful and stripping the metal back. But I would say it does that even less than the new record does. It's much just, it's just a really... There are a couple of tracks that are mellower um and, and quite beautiful, but for the most part, man, you're getting 10, 13, 15 minute just onslaughts. And yeah, mm. this band is I this band is well on their way to becoming one of my all-time favorite metal bands. Um, they might already be there, frankly. Uh I, I'm gonna keep digging deeper into this fucking gold mine that I've discovered. But yeah, we we might be, we might, we might be fucking on to something. With this band. But yeah, that has been my week. Jen, I know you don't listen to a, a shit ton of music, but is there anything that you've been listening to recently? It doesn't have to be in the last week. It could be at all that you want to sort of shout out as something you're vibing to or something that you're into.
3: Yeah. So I've spent the past little bit catching up on uh, some of the best and reviling and some of the worst of 2021. Thanks to you guys, I spent a long drive through the sticky listening to, and again into the light. Kentucky Rep, the transcendent uh, experience. Mm. Kentucky Rep, love that album very much. Uh, some other stuff I want to shout out. Um, kind of underrepresented in the very online musical circles that I'm in. An album called The Marfa Tapes, which is a uh, combined effort from Jack Ingram, Miranda Lambert, and John Randall. Uh, Miranda Lambert, obviously one of the best country musicians working today. The three of them go down to Marfa, Texas and record just this really simple album. And it sounds like they're just walking around a ranch with a guitar, starting a bonfire and just having a great time. I also listened to just on a whim. I went back to Joey Badass's uh, semi self-titled album Before the Money Good album, which was like kind of in, yeah, kind of in that to pimp a butterfly, like super social rap era, but really, really great album. Um, mm-hmm. not much else to say about that one. And then today, uh, I listened to Billy Strings' new album, Renewal, which is an awesome bluegrass kind of album. Billy Strings is great at doing traditional bluegrass instrumentation with like using modern tools not overdoing it but to create like atmosphere there's a great song in his previous record called highway hypnosis that starts off as this kind of really normal but really good bluegrass track but devolves into this like super kind of ambient echoing trippy i don't really know how to describe it and the rest of the album is not like that but if you've never heard of Billy Strings, check out Highway Hypnosis. I listened to the new Black Country Road album this morning. Tune in next week. And I like it a I like it a lot. I have not been into this band for a really long time. I just listened to it for the first time a couple of weeks ago. But I really like this record too. I think that Concord is probably, probably going to be one of my favorite songs of the year.
1: Yeah, it's my favorite song of the year so far.
0: Um. But but the place where me. they inserted the blade whatever right, stuff that, i've been listening to, to this week
1: yeah it's a great one too that one's a banger the
2: place where they inserted these nuts
1: oh man <laughs> oh no oh wow Black country new road found dead oh wait fucking i want the the new <gasps> also new everything everything music coming out very soon but uh, it oh. seems like there's going to be a new album as well it's, it, you know that the podcast is, like, a real thing, like, a real deal when you, like, start getting, like, full album cycles that mm-hmm. follow albums you've already reviewed. Like, not just, like, oh, here's a second album of, like, Leftovers, Taylor Swift, but, like, an actual, like, second album cycle. I least. am
0: so glad Rihanna was not in the room when you said
1: that. Well, you know, <laughs> if she watches the show, she'll know that I liked Evermore. more, so it's just a joke. Um, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that,
2: was, that was so passive aggressive. Well, if you watch the show.
1: <laughs> well, if, if you realize the there's pocket. no reason to get mad over a joke. Anyway. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, look, I'll redo it and I'll say auticker instead. Like, come on. Same thing. It's the exact same thing. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into our main reviews of the day. What I wish I had said from the front of this episode, just to kind of like give it an identity, is that this is kind of our country episode. And it's also kind of our not country episode in the sense that we're talking about two country records, but we're also talking about two records that aren't really country. They're just kind of like country influenced and the idea was that we talk about (laughs) my my grand vision (laughs) vision for this episode (laughs) was that we would highlight something that's really something really great (laughs) that's happening in the world of country and something really regrettable (laughs) that's happening in the world of country I think regrettable
0: is a great thesis statement for Walker Hayes
1: and so here we go let's talk about the positives first Um, Let's talk about Pine Groves' new album 1111. Pine Grove are an emo country band and I get it. That already is a, is a daring proposition. But if you haven't heard Pine Grove, you'll find that their fusion of emo and country is more tasteful than that label might suggest, right? It's primarily sort of indie rock with twangy sort of country instrumental leanings and a singer, even Stevens Hall, whose vocal presence and tonality is very influenced by the world of emo and whose writing and lyricism, like, uh, and thematic sort of interests Lean into the sort of writing and lyricism and thematic interest of a, of a lot of emo bands, and so you have this interesting and cool and weird fusion. Uh, this is a band that I became aware of, like many people, in the year 2016 when they put an out out an album called Cardinal, uh, which remains one of my most listened albums of that year. Uh, that album came out very shortly after I went through a devastating breakup, and we've had stories about these kinds of albums in the past, but it really, like, it was the exact shit I needed, and um, it's still, sure, like, even...
0: rust and Billy.
1: yeah, I mean, that that album, to me, is my dying star, That that's how much that album means to me, it's eight songs, and it's just, like, heartbreak, and, and sadness, and it's just gorgeous, and yeah, that album will, no matter when I listen to it, or what context, for the rest of my life, it will take me back to March of 2016, when I first heard it. Anyway, Pine Grove kind of fell off the map a bit after that. There was a weird sort of scandal where even Stevens Hall had some sort of allegations held against him of misconduct in a relationship that were, I don't want to, uh, I don't know the exact details. I remember it was quite newsworthy at the time. And then it sort of came out that I think the whole thing was a little bit more sort of overblown than it was initially made out to be. But there was still like an apology that was issued. And there was some time that, uh, that was spent away from making music. And from what I understand, there was peace that was made um, between Evan and the other party. and. Anyway, that was something that's... And that has sort of cast a shadow on Pinegrove's music ever since, that they kind of have really struggled to escape because they were getting a lot of buzz from Cardinal and then the music media kind of just sort of avoided talking about them because they didn't want to associate with anyone that was in any way kind of remotely, anything approaching, cancelled from any group. But I don't want to wade into that discourse because it's not relevant. It's just a part of the story where uh, from that... Um, Pine Grove have kind of withdrawn a little bit into a more sort of moody variant of their emo country sound that still nonetheless, in my opinion, has a lot of presence. Their, I think, 2018 album Skylight was really, really strong as well. It didn't reach the level of Cardinal, but it's an album that has gotten better the more time I spent with it. And then they put out another album in 2019 called Marigold that didn't leave much of an impression on me. And that was the point at which I was like, is this band, like, have, have they really run out of gas? Maybe they have, maybe they'll sort of never really sound inspired again. And to be honest, the first time I heard this new record, 1111, I kind of worried that was still the case. Um, there were songs that immediately stood out to me as like re- really strong Pine Grove songs, but. Like with Skylight, this is kind of a record that the more time I spent with it, the more I've come to appreciate sort of the gentleness of how devastating it can be. Um, It's a really special record that has come to really grow on me and to the point where, I look, I've had a shitty day and I put this on this morning and I just had a good cry. There's some lyrics on this album that, cut me like a knife and yeah it's not an album that reinvents the wheel it's not an album that suggests a new kind of future for pine grove outside of the niche that they're already cut but within Um, they're probably a band that are going to get successively less attention (laughs) through their future releases i don't really think i've seen many people speaking about this one although i will shout out like i did last week uh, with the Fox Tales album, our regular reviewer Brett, who is super into this record and su- suggested I listen to it, not knowing I had already heard it and was we were already planning on reviewing it. So once again, you just you're on our level, man. I will say up front, I don't know how everyone here feels about this, to be fair. I was fully prepared for this to be like a total flatline um, because it's not a record that sort of jumps out in like in, m- musically innovating ways. But I thought it would, at the very least, make a nice sort of counterpoint to the other album we're going to be discussing today. And maybe we can talk a little bit about uh, what works and doesn't work about these particular niches of country, like emo country in this instance, and then bro country in the other instance. But, yeah, I don't know. What were your guys' impressions of this record?
3: I am not super familiar with Pine Grove as a band. This is my first Record I had heard from them, and I didn't do any like go back and listen to the old stuff type thing that I would normally do for something like this because I really didn't know where to start um and so I jump right into this album, and the song is this seven minute sweeping all over the place in terms of scale rocker called Habitat, and I'm gonna think about this song for the rest of the year this song alone fantastic and you still have like a whole album after this and I don't know if it ever really reaches that point for me again but there are some points that I find that I really love this comment of like really traditional Americana sound and like you alluded to before Evan's really emo tinged vocals and Riley I kind of had a similar experience to you where I was like instantly fell in love with Habitat for the rest of the album which is kind of like eh for me but the more I've listened to it the more uh specific parts of it have really grown on me
1: yeah I think Habitat I think maybe some Pine Grove fans out there could correct me I think it's the longest song that they've ever recorded I mean I certainly don't think of seven songs when I think of this band um but yeah I was immediately struck by it as well and it's a song that I've only grown to love more and more and more. Some beautifully poetic lyricism from Evan on this. I've always really, really liked the particular style of of gently sort of poetic Americana tinged with emo lyricism that he goes for. It's very, like, it's very, Pinegrove's music to me, like, evokes a certain setting very, very strongly, like a kind of urban setting in a sort of, like, desert state. Um, and yeah, there's a sense of sort of, you know, I hate using this word because it sounds so pretentious, but there's a sense of sort of ennui that comes through and I don't typically associate uh, emo with ennui. It's typically associated with more intense emotions, but there's a kind of sort of wistful sadness here that occasionally like really, really just occasionally he will sharpen the knife and on a song like Respirate, which is another one of my highlights on this record, he'll just deliver this incredibly emotive chorus that's about something as simple as just remembering to breathe and the way he'll do it is he really takes advantage of this tonality he has in his voice to like extend certain words and like just and and give you these little vocal melodies that just turn my heart over. Uh, that's my favorite aspect of Pine Grove, and that's when I enjoy them the most, is that when Evan is really sort of stretching his voice to land these devastating blows with quite simple but poetic lyrics.
2: So I, I too have uh, some background with Pine Grove's Cardinal at a particularly emotional point in my life. And the first two songs on that album in particular always stand out in my memory. In regards to that, uh, old friends and cadmium. So I was I was excited to get to this because Cardinal is the only thing from this band I'd ever heard, and I figured this might be a good excuse to get more into the band. And unfortunately, I'm probably not going to do that. But I do definitely think this is a good album. Iodine is one of the songs of the year for me. I'm sure it will be for a while. I am I'm particularly fond of Alaska. Of course, I also just I also just like the parts on country albums where they just kind of. It's
1: quite cool the way they open with this. Oh, 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 they sorry. open with this kind of sweeping seven-minute gentle opus, and then they follow it up with like this two-minute like just barnstormer for this band. Anyway, like yeah, I I, I think will you me Morgan will be in total agreement of the fact that the first three songs on this album are just like yeah. Oh
2: you say chef keeps and the album after that three point three track run is all good but it also feels i think the best word to use for my thoughts is inessential it's just kind of you know it's it's good it's passable it's listenable all the lyrics are good i think but the songs themselves after this point kind of stop leaping out at me unless you've been revisiting the first three songs over and over, like I have, you might be more inclined to think this is really quite a middling affair. And for that, I would not necessarily blame you. Glad that
0: Morgan showed up to put up the T-ball and place the baseball on top of it so that I make them and fulfill any possible hypotheticals here is that, uh, I like, you know, I went into this because it's just like, oh, you combine, you know, emo country kind of shit. And I'm just like, oh, okay. You mean like, you know, I am, you know, again, I have heard Rustin Kelly before. Uh, I don't have any background with them. Uh, I'm sure that probably helps. Uh, If anything, I am at least incentivized to listen to Cardinal just because, I mean, it means a a lot to you too. I'm sure I'm going to get something out of it. But uh, And I totally agree actually with the notion that like, Basically everything Morgan said about the structure in terms of like quality, I agree. Even though I'm probably not as like hot on the great parts, but I think "Habitats" a great opener. That's the fa- that's the best song on the album for me, and I think the run of Alaska through Orange, you know, three track run, it's 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 good. Uh, I, I enjoy it. I, I would almost describe this as like. Give me a lot of Elliot Smith vibes a lot with the vocal delivery, how reserved it is, how quiet it is. Um, and it works there, sometimes for me anyway. Uh, sometimes like the, the thing that's most consistent here is, uh, well, most consistently like notable, I think, is the lyrics. I think the lyricism on even the most lackluster parts of the album for me are great. great. There is, again... Yeah. Yeah, Riley I mean, uh, I mean, pointed out the I mean, sense I mean, of ennui that this record evokes, which I think is like really palpable. And it's put very poetically, the sort of like a lot of these songs are very internal with like my Elliott Smith comparison isn't just Sonic. It's in like approach too. I, I wouldn't see anything. Like everything here sounds like it could be right off of something like figure eight or XO. It's just the, like all the singular parts of the band just kind of stop being interesting at some point in the track list uh mainly just like like it is a it is a it's not even steep but it's just like as soon as flora begins i'm just out for the rest of the album like i don't even really think that like like my ratings get like slimmer and slimmer and it's not even cuz like the songs themselves are less good it's just that this album is so single mindedly like focused on this one thing that it's trying to do and fair enough it's not that long so i get that approach But it's just like the vocal delivery is the same, the instrumentation after those first three songs is about on the same level and it's just it's the same kind of thing over and over and over again and it makes this sub 40 minute album feel like it's an hour long to me. Um, the, The vocal delivery while it works on something with a little bit more intensity is a form of contrast it also just, once the songs are in that mode, it's, it just stops registering with me. Like, I, I tried going back to this to see if, you know, maybe this isn't the kind of immediate thing you would expect with this. And my thoughts never really changed. Like, again, as much as I love the sentiment of something like Respirate, I just instrumentally, there's, there's nothing here for me. I, I don't know if it's my expectations in terms of what genres this belongs to. Like the, the lead singer kind of has a vocally kind of Christian Holdney thing about him. It sounds a lot like a lot of other singers and bands that I really, really like. But again, this album is just very much like, we're gonna continue to do this one thing very well. And it just, with every song, it has diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, at some point, found this from being like it went from being sleep inducing to upon realist and just became kind of obnoxious and how it's just like can we just
1: can we, can we just like pick up space a little bit i'm just
0: i'm just a little tired let's let's go and there, that's really all i have here there's nothing yeah, to mean, elaborate on just
1: well it, the, it
0: exhausts me and it probably shouldn't
1: <laughs> no i completely get it now that you've said that like i wasn't sure what yep. you complaints were going to be whether you like would hate Evan's voice or something like I just wasn't sure oh, no. how it was going to go so but knowing that I think that there's a good chance you will enjoy a record like Cardinal considerably more than this because that's just a, a, a really tight album that it keeps the momentum up and the pace and the mm-hmm. sort of intensity of the songs whereas this is a comparatively a much more languorous record I mean it really does set the time with that opener mm-hmm. um, but I do think again, I'm the only person who has this frame of reference, I do think it's a step up from their last record, and I do think that um, there are some subtle pleasures here that are really connected with me. I think also, and I'm not saying that none of you were, I'm not saying you weren't sad when you listened to this, but also I feel that this really connected me with me when I was at my most sad this week, uh, which to be honest with you has been today, Um, uh, just putting it on like and getting to the song Cyclone, which is one of my favorites on the album where he just opens with, if it's better, then why am I crying? Why am I so struck with grief about this one way things could be? And the way he says that and the way it lands just completely flattens me. Um, and the chorus is, because uh, it's been in my head for a long time and it feels wrong. Like, again, it's not like super sophisticated sentiments here. It's very sort of by the numbers for emo, but the power of Pine Grove is the way that Evan is really able to, project a sense of genuine pain in the way that he sings and it's something to do with the tone of his voice that kind of country-esque twang that he has in the way that he uses it it's quite nasal um, but it's just pitched perfectly to just take really simple lyrics like that and make them land Uh, particularly later in the song when he's saying things like i know i'm gonna cry i know you're trying to help but i don't need you right now or ever again like just absolutely levels me and it wouldn't quite even though those are quite devastating lyrics on the face of it they wouldn't land quite the same if you didn't have a singer like Evan I don't think and yeah I just find the song really really catchy too Uh, another late album highlight for me is the song Swimming as well which is one of the more sort of poetic and kind of picturesque songs where he's kind of just taking in the world around him and trying to kind of distract himself from his sort of suicidality by like focusing on beautiful things in the world around him, Um, birds and clouds and um, and it's it's quite a kind of tough uh, conveyance of like a really sort of tortured emotional state and there is like this beautiful sort of hope that comes through it too, like the climax of the song is him essentially singing I want to be a part of it, and I'm not ready to die yet. And and again, that just, if there's any doubt, this is an emo band. I mean, you really just have to look at the lyrics. Um, There are also little other other little things about the construction of the album that I really appreciate that I didn't really pick up on until subsequent lessons. Like the way that some songs lyrically will refer to the song before them. Like in the song um, Orange, it opens with... um, I try to wrap my head around an eye for an eye full of iodine, which refers to obviously the last iodine, which is this
3: uh, this lets me get into a moment that I wanted to talk about, which is maybe the hardest I've laughed unintentionally, or maybe not. Go for it album in a bit, which is um at the end of (laughs) at the end of Respirate. Yeah, I know what you're gonna say vocal line that's like i'm not and I'm like i have to think this is intentional because it's like yeah, i'm not gonna yeah, totally. let you down and the next song starts and it's like i let you down today <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like both of those tracks a lot but that had me cackling
1: that was totally intentional and that's i was gonna bring that up as like yeah it has of, to be but it's, like, it's such I'm a high high let contrast you down
3: that, like,
2: it's funny fuck. <laughs> damn it, it.
3: <laughs> i've done it
1: yeah it's like um, a
3: hard cut in a Looney Tunes cartoon.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. And yeah, shout out to the song "Orange," um, which is like one of the few songs on the record that has slightly more topical subject matter. Um, yeah. it's specifically about like climate change, and not specifically about like climate change, but specifically about like the 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 emotion of like living in America, which obviously I can't personally relate to, like calling your senator. And trying to, like, get them to see sense and getting the response of, like, you should feel happy that I listened to you at all. Like, not, maybe not in those words, but essentially that's, you're being fobbed off. Um, And the, the lyrics here are just super, like, direct on an album where you don't necessarily get a lot of that directness. And the way it's pitched really works in this song. Like, the verse is literally just, I try to warn my senator, he said that he invented it and that I should feel happy he talked to me at all. I tried to down the bluest pill, the author of the fucking bill, braying on YouTube the criminals he'll kill. Like, it, it's it's, it's, it's fucking, just like... That's real. some
0: real, like... Some real fucking, like... <laughs> the the, yeah. the fucking... It's so so like crass. It's so fucking funny. I mean, it's just... It's, it's like... <laughs> fuck. Yeah. Oh, I hate it. I hate being alive.
1: Sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's invented
0: really... it. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. That is so like, oh, that's such a good couple. Let How people enjoy right things. There. How about I fucking kill you? How about that?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's really most of what I have to say. I mean, those first three tracks are so strong. They're probably my three favorite tracks iodine is brilliant the way that chorus goes when you get down stay down way down way down he's just descending yeah. with each repetition is, is uh, really beautiful uh, it hurt That's and it, it does hurt, hurt. It, it's it's yeah yeah and uh, alaska as has been said is just this really great sort of two minute punchy song Landed <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah you yes This is the good
3: album of the episode.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes, it is. I stand by it. You're right. Um, Yeah. No. Look, if you
3: if if you disagree
2: with that assessment, you're you're a police person. (laughs) You're just wrong.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Anyway, I think that's basically all that we have to say. We can probably wrap it up there. Um, Let's go into our favorite tracks and ratings for. Pine Grove. Um, Jake, do you want to go first?
0: Uh, pretty fucking easy. Favorite three are the last three and my least favorite... F- fuck. <laughs> favorite are the first three and my least favorite are the last three. Um, 4.5 NyQuil out of 10. And um, Chinese Satellite. It, look, it's not the worst album we're reviewing
1: this week. Yeah, to be fair, I couldn't have picked a better week. They couldn't have picked a better week to release this in terms of like wanting jams. T- I mean, it.
2: <sighs> at any rate, my three favorites are Iodine, Alaska, and Habitat. My least favorite is swimming pools. drank. What? No, it's just swimming. Rank? Yeah, shot Grang, See it down. Strangled. Drank. Cut all of that. <laughs> um, Not a,
0: no, keep it all. No. In.
2: No. A six out of 10. I have to take a wicked ch- shit.
1: <laughs> Walker we, Hayes
0: is the shit, by the like way. We're
1: just to save it for the segment, man. We're just about to, we're just about to start. Yeah, it. like. Um,
0: fucking pros like, shit like-, like a primate in his camera. <laughs>
1: i think morgan should have just taken his webcam with him and just like sat on the toilet and just like fart sounds and that's and he doesn't Some say fucking
0: it. john waters shit
1: um, <laughs> my three favorite tracks are i mean the three the first three tracks are the three best tracks but i will i will swap out um alaska for cyclone because i really love that song our least favorite is uh flora And the album gets a 7 from me.
3: I feel pretty much the same. Favorite tracks are Habitat, Iodine, and Orange. Least favorite track is Flora, a very light 7, just because there's four tracks are so good to me. Yes.
1: All right. Well, that is an average of 6.1, which is actually, ironically, the same average as the last new release we reviewed, Boris's w which is, you know, an album I feel similarly about. Like, not really anything approaching the band's best work, but maybe a little bit more deserving of attention than just, like, the complete ignorance that it seems to be getting. So there's that. Let's move on now to our second review of the day. Walker Hayes, Country Stuff, The Album.
2: Alexa, play I Do Not Want This by Nine Inch Nails.
1: <laughs> so I I think what is only fair off the top of the back, I think, is to turn this over to one particular person who is the reason that we're even reviewing this in the first place. Because it came out a couple Explain of weeks ago, I think. Fiend. So what we what we typically try to do is we try to review albums the week after they come out if we can to try and capture some of the zeitgeist around the album without like being too close to it that it's like discoursey and stuff but of course that doesn't really matter for albums that no one's talking about but anyway we made an exception for Walker Hayes this week even though it's been out for I think two or three weeks and the reason we made an exception for it is Jen who's with us and who as I understand it strongly encouraged that we do a segment on this album and by virtue, listen to this album. So, Jen, explain yourself.
3: I come before the court today oh. to bring you Walker Hayes' Country Stuff, the album. And really, any discussion of this should start, I think, with the song uh, Fancy Like, which yep. um, is, I think, still the highest charting go on no, it's the highest charting country Bing. song of last year debatably tied with uh, the all too well re-release but I don't give a shit about that uh, it's amazing that, that you even that,
1: can refer to them as songs from the same genre
3: <laughs> I know like I don't even know if that should be qualified as a country song but it got it off of the chart which is probably what led to this album being released when it was I think Walker intended to ride the high of fancy life.
1: Well, here's the thing, as right? As long is that, as possible. Exactly. Because he I boosted think there's that. there's proof with of this. A, he boosted that with a remix with Kesha, right? And so that's. The that Kesha song,
3: remix, which is thankfully not on this album. What?
1: Yeah, absolutely. But also <laughs> worth mentioning is that that song, uh, uh, com- including a couple of others as well, I think all of which are on this album, were originally released in. A project called country stuff the ep i think it was just called country stuff to be fair yeah like, it wasn't
3: a joke country stuff the ep no, no that there wasn't was an a ep joke. let me explain okay so there's an ep called country stuff that has six songs <laughs> on it all six of them are on this album
1: so this is like country this is essentially country stuff the ep deluxe expanded edition
3: <laughs> pretty much yeah so between those songs and the two singles that came out in anticipation of the album, you only really have five new songs that come out when this album drops. I don't want to skip it too much, so I, I want to give a bit of a, a criminal breakdown, a mind hunter scenario, if you will, on one Mr. Walker Hayes. So Walker Hayes is a guy who's been making music for a bit, and you might not even know. About 10 years ago, he put out an album. And Jake, you should look up a picture of what he looked like in 2011. That's because he just looks like Justin Bieber. He
1: looks like that same person now, but with like the anchor arms from SpongeBob and like a beard (laughs) that looks like fucking pasted on.
3: He had a song back in that time uh, called Pants, which is a a A great description of it.
1: He, okay so about the,
3: how she can wear the pants as long as i can take them off
1: oh my god that's oh. such a Hayes <laughs> oh, on oh, song really song.
3: so yes that is the bar
1: so walker hayes has an interesting relationship with women <laughs> and I think it's, it's something that he gets into on this record with Fascinating levels of detail. Um, you have these different images of Walker in terms of his relationships with women, uh, often often ogling and um, respecting their magnificent forms. Um, and then, like you have a song like "Make You Cry," where. <laughs> oh my God.
0: Gaslight gatekeep guy boss.
1: I'm so conflicted and confused by what, what what kind of emotion and relationship that Walker is trying to convey here. So let's get this straight obviously this is the song that is intended to be about an endearing love that two people have for each other where he can sing her a song and and, or like serenade her or whatever and and it makes her her heart melt and her makes tears run down her face tears of happiness of course he's very very careful to to specify
0: (laughs) It's like you don't know what kind of song is in the intermediary here because he's singing about another song he's singing to her. And in my mind, it's probably like it's something like fuck my bitch wife, I hate her. <laughs> my,
1: my head canon. My head canon for this. My head cannon for this is that he's playing her like demos of this album. <laughs> and then misinterpreting. And like, no,
3: no, 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 no. He's playing you, girl. <laughs>
1: and Yeah, he's playing you, girl, the song, specifically, which is incidentally oh. probably the, my least favorite song on this album, although it has stiff competition. Um, for uh, but he's, he's he's playing her these songs and then misinterpreting, like, her emotional response to them. That's my head canon. Um, But anyway... Absolutely. No matter how you want to, de- like... Sh- no matter how you want to shape it and construct this song, there's no getting away from the fact that repeating the refrain of, I love it when you cry, like 20 times. Uh, no, I it's love never, to make
3: you cry. I love to
1: make you cry, exactly. It's never going to come across positively. Like, I get that the joke is like, oh, he's, it's like, hes he loves to make her cry, but like in a nice way. So that's kind of like the bit. But like, no, dude, there's, there's John no, Prine, you are not I really it's, thought that was that
3: song was going to be more, like, nihilistic in, like, a uh, Before He Cheats or, like, what's the name of that song where he's like, so I jacked the keys to her fucking car. I thought it was going to be, like, one of those, you know, true, just true. completely, like, I'm going to destroy this bitch. But it's this disgustingly sweet <laughs> thing.
1: Well, like, I, I am slightly less, like, abhorred by it purely because... I have something like um, fucking what's his name who made drinking too much?
0: Sam Hunt. Sam Hunt. Yeah, Sam Hunt! I mean. Sam Hunt's drinking that's the too easiest much. Thing.
1: Like, is the bottom Sam of the barrel Hunt. in terms of like songs of weird disillusioned and disgruntled and burned out country stars like fucking abuse their partners. Like, yeah, that, that when I have that as a this comparison is kind point, of a everything here comes across much more positively, to be fair. But this um, is kind
3: of a crossbreed between like this, that album, Southside, and The Big Day, which is <laughs> like,
1: you know, I get it. I get what you're saying. No, oh, super, I do.
3: super abrasive, really deep in genre production that's kind of all over the place mixed with these like simp anthems but also these really unintentionally revealing songs yeah walker is these are 13 songs all meant to go straight to radio and he's not Mm -hmm. even trying to lie like there are no deep cuts there are only potential singles here and they're all in different flavors like drinking songs
0: is is like i'm getting drunk at a bar because i'm sad I just gotta keep writing songs to feed my wife and kids. Blah, 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 blah. He literally
1: says it at the end of the title track. Well, here we go. I'm just trying to feed the kids, man. So here we go. The title (laughs) track, I mean, there's a reason why the album and the EP are both named after and properly like...
0: Awful.
1: ...showcase this song. Like, yeah, no shit, it's awful, but like what, it's terrible what is what is he actually doing like what is he trying to, to do here he, and he's it, doing one thing
0: and it's a list that fucking bo burnham song. pandering song and where he was just like that's what country artists do they just list things this is just a fucking list it is literally and every- when it's not clear what he's
3: talking about it's so fucking confusing there's one part in the second verse where he's like favorite movie and then jake owen comes in you serious clark and i'm like wait does he mean fucking christmas vacation (laughs) is that your favorite
1: movie walker well what's so revealing about the song is that it's so like absolutely embedded in and like completely consisting of these like cliches these archetypes and cliches that he's trying to appeal to it's so rooted in those it's so exclusively those things that there's no way not a single way at all for Walker Hayes to come across as anything other than inauthentic. Like there's just absolutely no way to hear this song and take him seriously. Like if you do, then you don't take yourself seriously. Like if you're the kind of person he's singing about in these songs and you find this like, you know, and I'm not, I don't, I know we shouldn't do the thing where we kind of just insult people who like this kind of music because it's a shallow way of criticizing it, but like genuinely, if you find some kind of reason in what he's saying on country stuff, then like you clearly don't think very much of yourself because he is recycling the most kind of deadbeat, just really lazy, lazy cliches that are often used to make fun of this genre and this, style of people who listen to it and he's kind of just wearing them like these proud badges and all it does the only way it comes across to me i've tried to try and view this through a different lens but there's no way of reading the song other than, other than parody other than parodying the kind of people that he's trying to appeal to it, it, it's a parody song whether he intends it to be or not is a different story but i i submit that purely on face value and when you listen to the song it's a parody song Like, it is parodying these people, which is so funny because he doesn't mean it to. He wants to be seen as one of these people. And there the shallowness of the record really comes through. Like, yeah, there's one thing to kind of like cash in on a trend and try and like, you know, be seen as a particular kind of dude. So your music will have this particular kind of appeal to this mass radio market. And it's another thing to really like do that in a way that's so shallow, that's so just lacking in any effort whatsoever that the end result is something that can only just truly unmask how much of a fake human being you are like there's no universe there's no lens through which walker hayes gets out looking positive this this. is like if
0: patrick bateman liked country music (laughs) the speech in american psycho wouldn't be about huey lewis in the news it would be about walker hayes and it would Walker be, he Keith be you know, uh, in this, yeah. Basically, it's like you know that's the not, thing. It makes Keith Urban
1: look like Bob Dylan.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, I don't know that I agree. Keith Urban uh, is like, it, it's dark. Um, <laughs> but I just <laughs> want to say I don't think you're giving Hugh Lewis in the news enough credit. Okay, fair, fair,
0: fair enough. Though, yeah, a, I, I compare, will say, compare compare like,
3: this
2: man to Huey Lewis in the news is
0: probably not a good look for you. Well, it's I mean, it's it's like no,
1: Huey. Huey can it's write like
0: good he, sticky songs.
1: Well, the thing about the American side. it's like if, it's like if
2: Huey Lewis, it's like if Huey Lewis in that speech was replaced with Phil Collins. No, no. no well, that's in, a joke. So,
1: what <laughs> the thing that's is a joke.
2: I'm in, fucking with you.
1: In the original book, in the original, but fuck book.
2: Phil Collins though.
1: In the original book, the most memorable monologue of that style is about early 80s Genesis, specifically ah. the album Abacab. Um, and the thing about the ah. American style monologue, if we're going to get into it, is that the bit is that Patrick Bateman is not into terrible music. The bit is that he's into kind of really mediocre and shallow yeah. and sort of like that, boring music. That That's the like, point
0: I'm trying to make here, is that like, even when we compare it to shit like Sam Hunt, like... That, that's kind of what's better and worse about this album is that like the way that it sounds is not as aggressively awful as something like Southside, but it's also as aggressively ignorable like there's th- to summarize this I don't I-, I don't remember what song this is on and to be perfectly honest I don't expect any of you to know this either. You may not have even noticed it there's a song on the back half of the track list it's I think it might be even in a song that I like there's a trap hi hat beat in it, you can't hear it. It's barely fucking audible. Like, I don't know what the producers were thinking on this. It's just like, oh, you know, we got to fuse it because of the bro country thing and Florida Georgia line and like get the crossover appeal. But they mix it so quietly. You can't fucking hear it. I had to be like, wait, why is that? Am I? What is shit? And Mm -hmm. like, look we we kind of present this as just like oh we're having Jen come on here and we have three native Kentuckians talking about how fake this fucking country music is and despite of what I'm about to say I don't care if something is authentic like I care to a degree but overall especially when I'm going for something like this I I try to find the bright side in anything you don't have to be authentic to be good country music I don't care that said when you're on your album, I, I need country music to put a moratorium. Even good country musicians, please stop talking about Hank Williams Jr. I, I, I'm, I'm sick of oh it. My you're not God. him. Stop, inv- stop and invoking fuck. him. Please, God. You, God. you are doing yourself no service at all by evoking somebody who is a thousand times better than you. And also is the kind of person who you are unashamedly like, ripping off in like the most sanitized way possible so it doesn't even work that way and i just end up being kind of like like should i even be mad at this because there's no there's no artistry here there's nothing here that's like like again it's so cynical it's so lifeless it's so limp and plastic that it's like yeah all these things are unintentionally revealing and i don't like to say shit like this but it's unintentionally revealing because walker hayes is an idiot this man writes songs, and any insight you can glean into his mind is purely circumstantial. Just because it's like, wait a minute, what? I mean, look at fucking AA, an abominable song, which I don't think is one of the worst songs. Oh on my the god! Album, somehow, but he's talking. To, he's like just trying to keep my daughters off the pole, and I'm just kind of like, I. It's no, 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 what? no, no,
3: no, 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 no! Let me, let me, let me, let me. I'm gonna put my flag in the hill for AA. Just a, a, a tiny bit. Just a little bit. I'm disappointed in you. I'm just going to say that that one couple daughters off the pole and sons out of jail, it's kind of like... You're you not going to say it's like socially are pointed
1: are you. <laughs> no!
0: I'm just another John no! Deere guy just, on a tractor. Let him finish.
3: Interrupt me! Sorry. Let, let me finish. Um... <laughs> because this is my biggest problem with walker hayes right this is the most like blue collar album i've ever heard not in the sense of like character or concern or thought process this is an album that every time i like i would not dare fuck up my spotify algorithm by listening to this i only listen to it on youtube but every time i did i just felt a penny go into walker Hayes's bank account like that's uh, what this album yeah. is
0: Everything I mean, it's very outside looking in. Any in track, that I just felt a penny dropping in. Mm. It's it's exploitative. It's a man who's trying. I mean, that's why Fancy like sucks, right? Is that it's a song that's been like, I'm down to earth because I go to
1: Applebee's, and it's just like, <laughs> what? What are you, to- dude? What? Uh, and so, and here's where a point that Jake you brought up before of authenticity comes into question, right? Because I agree with you, right? That like. When it comes to, like, music that is kind of doing genre um, template stuff, authenticity isn't a huge deal to me either, although I accept that um, creed, street creed and cultural creed and things like that are relevant things to discuss with regard to certain genres, like hip hop, for instance. But Walker Hayes is not a country boy, like, this is not, he's wearing this as a costume. And also, like... It's very
0: Kid Rock. I'm not the person who...
1: I'm not the right person to be, like, have an opinion on this next particular thing or, like, have a take on it or whatever because I'm just not the right demographic to really care. But, like, this whole thing in Bro Country of a lot of these artists, like, affecting and singing and, like, rapping in a certain style with certain, like, bits of lingo and certain little ways of speaking... Like it feels I'm just a like lot...
0: you. I drink Bud
1: Light, Bud Light, Budweiser. No, but it, it's it's like it's it's not that kind of thing. It's they're like, oh, I won't be with you, girl, and all. It. and it's like, <laughs> it's 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 it's, it's kind of disgusting and it's kind of sinister. And I don't care how many black friends you have, Walker. Like it's it's just not a good look. It <laughs> doesn't fit you well. And. It's it's not exclusive to him again. Like it's a it's a thing that's kind of seeping into, um, like like when Drake started doing like a Jamaican accent. Like I mean, a lot of R and B artists. Yeah, were doing that. that
3: is exactly what this feels like. Like there are multiple songs on this album where he starts with like, just a little noise of some kind changes, <laughs> uh, but he'll start with like a, a, hey, or like a. Yeah, we're like all right, yeah, and it's like yeah. there are country singers that do that, but you're trying to sound like a rapper. I'm yeah. sorry.
1: I think it's particularly like sharp and pointed, like and noticeable in the first stretch of this record. Like to me, this record really like hits a particular nadir quite quickly with the first four what? songs. Which like quite amusingly, in my opinion, get progressively worse with each song. Like it starts <laughs> yeah. with drinking songs, which is just really bad, obviously. Um, yes. but it's kind of bearable because production-wise, it's one of the more colorful on the record as well. I, I give
0: Sadly, it at the upper half of tracks on this album, if I had
1: to.
3: Yeah, drinking songs is certainly like a, a an easier one to get through.
1: Yeah, but there yeah. are so
3: many songs. Like there's this thing somebody coined this, and I don't know who um frankenstein country is kind of a loose term in that side of like internet music criticism that's like all you're doing is making a song that references other songs or like other country related things but you're not like really doing anything with them in any uh, unique way and that's what drinking songs is when he talks about like hank and evan wombs and fucking well, makes a direct reference to why do you drink? Like, you're writing a song explicitly about drinking well, songs, but you're, and, not, you're not writing a good drinking song. Well, here's
1: the thing. Like, this is where I get confused, and I don't want to start making assumptions about Walker's life because he said in interviews he struggled with alcohol abuse and addiction. And you have drinking songs. This song, which is essentially about the the joy and relief in alcohol, right? And it's not like... There's no sense of depth to that either. It's not like oh, alcohol no. is some kind of bomb. It's just like oh, boy, I can't wait to to the rooster to crow and then I'm gonna go and go and have me a beer down at the waterhole. Uh, it's not, <laughs> it's not that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but then you have a- bar the waterhole.
1: <laughs> but then you have AA right after it, <laughs> where again with the similar sort of like we we dare not have anything approaching like gritty emotional reality, which again. I don't, I'm not saying the album has to have that, or that it has some weird like emotionally. Anyway, this is an album where, like for instance, on this, I'm getting a bit scattered here, but for instance, on the song Briefcase, which is the best song on the album, in my opinion, and a genuinely Easily. moving song, I think. And, and it's this genuinely emotional track where he's talking about like his relationship to his father and like his, fa- his father's a strange relationship with their family and the sense of sort of disconnect and loneliness and like a, a lack of communication that affected him in a profound way. And, like, dude, if you can add that level of emotionality here, why is it not at all in a song like AA or in a song like Drinking Songs when you're talking about something that's, you know, really like urgent in your life in terms of a struggle, a struggle with alcoholism? Why, why, why is like, it, hang on, why are you trying to stay out of AA? Like, what is, what does that mean? Does that mean like you, you're trying to like you're trying to not drink so you don't have to go to AA, or you're 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 happy drinking and you don't want to like. Again, I don't want to make assumptions. You, you don't want, want your, your
3: wife life. to put you back in I, AA. I
1: don't want to make assumptions about <laughs> his life because that's not really fair to do as a critic. But it's just confusing. The sentiment is confusing, and I don't understand <laughs> like like especially at the to- at the end of the song where he's like one step at a time, obviously evoking the AA yep. slogan. Uh, life's hard, family's weird, which is just hilariously forced to make the next line rhyme. Sometimes you just need a beer, which again, like, I don't, I don't know that you do, Walker. <laughs> well, it's like it. this whole fucking sentiment
0: in the song is like. There's so many parts across this album where it's just like, yeah, I too have heard "Shape and Destroy" by Rustin Kelly. He who even invokes the same metaphor about wanting to put liquor in his coffee at the beginning of one song, which is almost a little too similar let's, for me to overlook. but I'm not going to go clear.
1: down that road. Let's get one thing clear: like he, this man has not listened to Rustin Kelly. Right? It's yeah, exactly. No, it's just he's like I would Russ accuse him of
0: plagiarism yeah, yeah. if I was convinced he actually listened to good music, which he clearly doesn't.
1: But like, I, he's get confused. Right. He
0: listens to music. There, uh,
1: there's like. When he tries to do a subject song like this, or like a lot of songs in this record, he can't help himself but go back to the well of cliches. Like when he's like, I'm just another John Deere guy up on a tractor. Like, like he he can't help. He's like, He can't go like three minutes without like, oh shit, I've got to remind the audience that I'm a country guy. I'm a country boy. Shit, shit, run a bar. Where he's like, and that shit just pervades this album. And then you get the absolutely kind of like, utterly just soul crushing duo of life with you and you girl which are just some oh of my the most God.
3: just see okay this actually leads into a larger point so you have on one end you have what is called bro country that is your your Sam Hunts your Georgia lines etc then you have uh the more recent development which is boyfriend the country which is directly in response to Bro Country, which is like, you know, softer, more acoustic, twink-looking dudes singing about how happy they are with their and wives and, and daughters and such. your <laughs> Dan Sean and Mendez's. Shay types. And yeah, it's boring. It's, Sean that, Mendez of country the, music. Yeah, you're Sean <laughs> Mendez of country music. And that's the thing that makes Boyfriend Country worse, is that it's all so, like, blended together. At least those bros have personality, but that's the thing, like, life with you and you, girl, is the worst of
0: both. Like, it's the worst of boyfriend yeah. country and then the worst of bro country. I, yeah. I, I want to pull back for a sec here. And I want to, like, I already said that authenticity in this doesn't really bother me. And not to speak for him in this instance, in this instance, but if the lack of authenticity was going to bother someone here, it would be Morgan as the person who's probably been listening to the most amount of country music on here, I just need an overall statement because you were the most in like, I I wanted to know what your in was here. Like, did this just wash over you as just being completely unlistenable or or did you take specific offense to parts of it? Uh, uh, Yes.
1: I didn't know that was
0: a unique, (laughs) a unique case. Like,
2: so, shit, like, let's let's look at this track list for a second. Shit like uh, drinking songs and "Life with You" and Delorean." Those are the former, oh where it just... it's they all sound so terrible. <laughs> like, just to begin with, uh, ignoring things like lyrics. And uh, a vocal delivery, just like when it doesn't outright sound like digitally fried anus, it's just the most boilerplate, boring nonsense you've ever heard in your goddamn life. And this is the better part of the album. Easily, that's the crazy part. Is there are two sides to this
3: album, and it's the like you said, Morgan. The The insane, terrible, weird stuff, like the title track, like Craig, which we'll get to. Then there's also just like boring radio fodder What You Don't Wish For. What You Don't Wish For.
0: Which is just the most, like, again, it's easily on the more tolerable end of the spectrum here, but it's because it sounds like nothing. It's an empty song.
2: song. If Um, the
0: album... Is going to be so bluntly titled
2: as it's called country stuff the album i would suggest an alternate title of
0: variations on a two out of ten <laughs> <laughs> variations on alcoholism and how much i love jesus which we really haven't touched on yet but well, it's, it's uh, walker hayes loves oh. jesus well oh, boy he... howdy does he love jesus
1: I mean, I, I believe that in as much as I believe any other of the other things that he claims about himself and his lifestyle. Because yeah, you can't take
0: anything, I believe it less.
1: You can't take anything on face value. But this comes into like I, you know, I've i already talked a lot and I know I do that, but there's one song on this record that I have I really want to get into. Like we don't have to really talk about anything else in particular, is but we Craig? do have to talk Please, about this one song, which is mm-hmm. Craig. Yeah.
3: So, so glad we're getting to this so let me kind of paint go. A,
1: let, let me paint a picture for the listener at home right now if you haven't heard the song I mean props to you if you're listening to us talk about this album without having listened to it listen to it that's support that's commitment um and props if you have listened to it as well but regardless you don't that's need commitment. to listen to Craig to appreciate the true the truly profound piece of nonsense that this song is so okay so Craig is a song about, uh, supposedly cast as a story that is supposedly happening within Walker's real life, of his encounter at church with uh, a figure who is conflictingly referred to as both a man and a kid. It's very confusing. Like, he's this dude who, who. who what confuses me about it is that at some point in the song, without spoiling it, it's... Um, It's revealed that this person owns a van and, okay, I'll just spoil it, gifts the van to Walker after Walker has to like trade in his van because of money troubles. But then in the chorus of the song, Craig is referred to as not your usual kid at Sunday school, which is very confusing because I'm not sure whether Craig is a fully grown man with his own multiple automobiles or a child. Um, and, and I think the key to this is one of the most obvious aspects of the song, which is that Craig is Jesus.
0: Yeah, I was going to say.
1: That's, that's what the song is about. The song is about Walker Hayes encountering and having his life profoundly shifted by a human incarnation of Jesus Christ. And, and of he course, named him Craig. Well that's even like the funniest aspect. No,
3: it? because the thing is, no, I think everything he says in this is true. I think Craig is real.
1: Do you think that Walker truly believes that Craig is the incarnation of the second <laughs> incarnation of Jesus Christ himself? <laughs> I mean that's kind of sacrilegious.
3: No. I, don't, I, don't. I I think that Craig is real at least. That seems to be more than you of him.
1: Well, look, the the the, defi- the the thing we can definitely take away from this is that Walker thinks Craig is a great guy or a kid or oh. whatever the fuck he is. But also the, the Jesus metaphor is laid on so thick here that it's almost like, to me, this is one of the most revealing moments of the album because, again, we talked about authenticity. Is Walker Hayes really a Christian? Would a devout Christian claim to have met Christ in the form of, of some dude who gave him a van? Like... I don't know. I don't know. May- maybe I don't know. But all I know is that this is the most asinine fucking Christ <laughs> metaphor allegory story I've ever heard. And what's the most aggravating thing about it is how much of the song Walker spends winking at the audience, <sighs> oh, like winking at listeners, like this, this, this here, he, you just disguise. This yeah, but that's the one I
2: was thinking of. <laughs> Please die.
1: Like, he... Just stop. Like... Enough! It, it makes me think there's, of, like, some, some movies, a particular kind of movie, like fucking, I don't know, Collateral Beauty or Life Itself, right? No, where it's a
0: Pure Flix movie. Oh, You're trying to God. think of a Pure Flix movie. You're trying yeah. to think of it's God's Not Dead. It's or, fireproof. Or it's God's Not Dead. Where? Where? Here's, here's the in here where Walker Hayes, an artist like him, would make a song like Craig and feature prominently on the soundtrack of Like Mercy Me does, Like Switchfoot gonna make a movie does, about like Craig all in 5 years. like, I was going to say, like, all of these fucking crossover country Christian artists, they're all trying to make a song that'll land them in a Pure Flix movie so they can not only get the licensing from that, so they can appear in the film, which all
1: these bands
0: always do. That is the intent of this song.
1: And here's where we get back to the most, like, revealing and, like, just, what the (laughs) fuck, like, who do you think you are aspect, which is that... Walker uses this song as as an excuse to self-congratulate himself, right? Because there's a verse here where the first time he encounters Craig, one of the first things that Craig sees to him is compliments him on his songwriting, and like this is just an excuse for Craig to either make up a guy or to maybe that's right person who is like you know validating his like amazing made up a
0: guy who was also Jesus Jesus. likes
1: my songs, guys. (laughs) like that's it that's the jesus point, I'm building. I'm, that's the point cool. I'm building to not just hey my friends think my jesus music thinks is cool,
3: i'm pretty sick but
1: jesus himself bumps my shit the funniest part is when he says like my he knows my songs don't belong in no hymnal but he still quotes my lyrics back to me and slaps me on the back and says man you got a gift how you write like that and that, the cool part of the song is that like before Craig even, you know, works his miraculous magic of giving him a car. He's already (laughs) just saying about how Walker is the coolest guy in the world for writing songs like fucking country stuff.
0: The Christian equivalent of my dad works at Nintendo.
1: and then he has the goal and then he has the goal to act at the end of the song like he's being humbled by this whole experience like my pride was way too ashamed to be adequately grateful at the moment which to accept
3: like, this car
1: but i signed the dotted line and i drove the kids home and then like sorry i had give me a minute here to just talk about the final part of the final line of the song please. And so early in the song, he makes a reference to how, like, he has a van that doesn't have enough seatbelts for his kids, which is, like, when you first hear it, it kind of feels like, oh, it's kind of like a little way of, of like, suggesting the fact that, like, the car isn't really sort of good enough or, like, he's not really, he doesn't really have what he needs. And then, like, the, the, the end of the song uh, suggests that, like, the kids are all buckled up now, like, and, and the way this manifests is that, like, a cop pulls up beside them, and they don't have to duck, because they're all buckled up, suggesting that a man like Walker Hayes would get into any trouble with the law for one of his six kids not being buckled up in the car, because there isn't enough room for them, like, it's the most, like, who do you think you are? It's the most like revealing like fucking white dude. like just <laughs> it's, don't
0: my care, favorite like, part of this personally is the fact that Jesus or Craig in this example is just like, I don't remember if it was in the Toby Mac episode, but Morgan spoke to something that was truly skin crawlingly repellent to him and that's the con the concept of like the cool youth pastor, the one who's just like, You know who also? You know who's also pretty cool? Jesus Christ!
1: Like that's that's Craig. He's acting like the only reason he doesn't have to be afraid of the police is because Jesus is on his side. Like, get the fuck (laughs) out of my house! That's exactly the message. My
3: face mask.
1: That's exactly the message. Like. (laughs) And I haven't even mentioned the funniest line on the whole album as well, which is he took roadside assistance to a whole other level.
2: (laughs) 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 Go That's about about blow. Japanese
0: breakfast voice.
1: (laughs) And yeah, like. There's so much
3: more to this song than you think, though. Listen oh? to this. Listen to what I am about to tell you. Please. This song is actually I don't actually... know how much more I can take. <laughs> this song Craig is actually like 4 years old. Okay. It was on his previous album Boom, which was way more of like a country pop album, but has been re-recorded and remixed for this album. And the
2: original
3: is worse. No shit. If you can believe it, I, I mean, you know, but it's like a fucking Macklemore piece.
1: Oh, thank you for <laughs> jogging my memory. I was meaning to bring up Macklemore. Like this is like fucking
2: like, I fucking youth pastor my life.
1: Macklemore <laughs> right here. This is exactly it what It really this
2: is. is. Oh. So, I forgot to bring up Macklemore. I quit the fucking podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean... but then, but...
1: <laughs> this is like, yeah, this is, saved. Okay. This is Macklemore once he's saved. <laughs>
3: this is macklemore if he like went to jesus right. i'm not this... i'm not even kidding well, this but, is but, but the mercy was... feature is the weirdest thing just on a technical level this song is so bizarre right because it sound. it starts with these like really hard guitars like harder than anything else on the album it's got this like kind of good riff going and then he fucking comes and starts rapping about this man that he's in love with and you get (laughs) to the chorus (laughs) you get to the chorus and the lead singer of mercy me comes in
0: but he's only in it for like eight bars he doesn't even sing the whole chorus (laughs) It's so funny too because it's like the fucking thing where it's like the features that's only it's like the fucking Death Cat the exactly cutie feature. Like a on song. The fuck, it's like a Scar- where Scar- It's like a It's just been givered. <laughs> like
1: well, you also I, have him kind of giving away the game that he's not really Christian because at multiple points in this album, like he talks about Oh, I need to go to church so I don't go to hell. Mm-hmm. And in this song, he says, I haven't figured out church yet, but Craig, I get. Like, he's just giving away the game. songs don't belong like, in no hymns. He's just giving away the game that like, oh, I'm not actually a Christian, but I need to appeal to that demographic if my songs are going to be successful. And so he makes, he writes this. No wonder this song is old and he's tried to repurpose it. Like, he's so convinced this is his ticket into like Christian rock radio. And it probably fucking worked for it all probably, I know. probably is. Yeah. It um,
0: makes me think of youth group. That's what this song makes me think of. It makes me think of the middle of summer and a shitty tent that somebody bought at Walmart and a bunch of store-bought snacks and tiny sorry. little things of variety packs so you, people could come in and be like, hey, hang out with your friends from school and right. then listen to this 35-year-old guy who went to Bible camp sorry. talk about
1: Jesus for an hour. I'm going to have a
2: panic. I'm going to have a panic attack. <laughs>
1: Sorry, one more thing. Like I, I mentioned the funniest line on the album before where I said like um he took roadside assistance to a whole other level. And I forgot to mention the very next Fuck part of the Jesus. line where he says he took roadside assistance to a whole other level to sacrificial heights.
0: What? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Cuz he's Jesus sacrificing
2: right? <laughs> himself. Like we didn't we didn't fucking get it at but that point.
1: He, he no, but the thing is the implication here is a st- is staggering that, that 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 the act of kindness that Craig does to Walker by giving him a van is on the same level as as allowing himself to be crucified <laughs> on the same level. Do you guys as allowing himself to be wait, crucified.
3: There's one more thing about this song. Do you guys know about the Be a Craig Fund?
1: No. no. Oh my God. Is this a fucking like? Walker, oh, this is a scam. Walker oh
3: Hayes started a charity after this song came out. I have the website pulled up. I'm going to read what Stop it says. trying to make to you. Craig
1: happen.
0: <laughs> the life has left Morgan's eyes. The Be
3: a Craig Fund was established by Walker Hayes as a tribute to a man named Craig who gave the Hayes family a van when they were struggling. His kindness meant that the family would have a vehicle big enough for all the Hayes children to have a seat belt. In keeping with the sentiment of paying it forward and through gifts to support nonprofits that empower others to make the path easier, Long wants to encourage individuals to see opportunities to help others. Uh, Be a Craig to someone in need. By donating directly <laughs> to the fund or purchasing so a big. Craig t-shirt that where be proceeds benefit the fund. You can be a Craig for someone in your life who is struggling by submitting their story below for consideration to be a donation recipient. So sell us your sob story and we'll give you money.
0: Yeah, sorry, there's there's no way that's legit. All of that language is so shady. What the f- No, well, no, like, no, 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 no. Even
1: if it is legitimate, right, it's still kind of disgusting, like, what Walker is doing.
3: There's a little link at the bottom but, that says do not sell. Let's see
2: who is the most miserable fuck out of the bunch <laughs> of miserable fucks that find this page, and let's change them, but the hell with the rest of them.
0: <laughs> it's like the fucking Hunger Games fuck me
1: anyway that's craig i don't actually have much to say about the rest of the album that i haven't already said again like briefcase is a highlight uh it's a confusingly good song on this album
2: Um, i want to i want to talk about that for a second actually because please yes it is the best song on the album but this is why sequencing matters because it's like, the what is it? There's three songs after this and then there's the end of the album? Two songs. It's the, mm-hmm. two, okay, so it's the third last song on the album, which means I have had to endure now, counting that one, 10 songs and you save the, the only one that is listenable till that point. This is why sequencing matters because the, the fact that it is listenable no longer fucking matters. I just want out. It's like it's like being cries after it. it. It's I mean, it's like being served a ribeye during in like the eighth year of a 10-year prison sentence. What, what's, what's
1: funny is that <laughs> thanks. You the don't even ref- give me any salt and pepper. The original EP kind of exacerbates this. We're like, um, oh. every song is better than the one before it. Like on the original EP, where it's like it opens with country stuff. Terrible. Then it goes into fancy like terrible, God, but still, slightly better produced.
3: I like
1: and then it goes into Make You Cry, which is also terrible, but slightly better than Country Stuff and Fancy Like. Then it goes into I Hope You Miss Me, which is pretty bad, but not like really terrible. And then it goes into What If We Did, which is probably like the second best song on the album, uh, the closing yeah. track. But still pretty mediocre, and then the yeah. EP and then the EP ends with Briefcase, which is like it's just a hilarious like, <laughs> a hilarious way to sequence your album in like the the worst way possible, where every song is it starts with the worst stuff and like gets progressively better by the time that people have probably completely lost interest. Um, if they're taking the music seriously, if they if they're listening to take it seriously anyway, which of course you know this is if not they don't targeted. Just turn anyway.
2: on this album and hit shuffle anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: I mean yes. Morgan's points exacerbated because the fact that the songs that are on the other side of it are the most dubiously titled songs make you cry and I hope you miss me which are both funny because they're both like I hope you miss me is an interesting point on the album because it's one of the only times where there's actual genuine self-reflexiveness even though the song's mediocre as hell and just kind of is boring and shit but it's also just like he acknowledges that he's kind of a piece of shit for having this lingering sentiment of this like partner that like left him a long time ago and I'm like, okay, it's there's honest. something interesting. Like, yeah, I, I, I interesting. can relate to it's, that sentiment. It's, it's honest, but the problem is that even at his best moments is that Walker Hayes is the most boring man alive. Is that even if it's the most meant sentiment ever, it's still going to be delivered like it's fucking homework. Like, I, <laughs> hey, yeah. I
2: want to I point out that and you asked me what true... my in here was. And my answer is, fuck you yeah that's my end shut up leave me alone
1: even with that song i hope you miss me like you have that you know honesty of the sentiment that you know like he's deep down he hopes that this person misses him he he even that's you know i'm not going to give him much credit here but it's kind of like you know it's a little bit brave to admit that uh out of context you know just as a sentiment but then on the rest of the song it's like he, he he takes the, the candidness of that and just kind of like, again, turns it into this really self-indulgent and kind of mean-spirited thing where he's like, when you finally get that star on Hollywood Boulevard, just remember, I called it on the hood of your car where it's like, he can't let this person go without wanting to take responsibility for their success. Without wanting to- Things were leech. so great
0: when we got together, but like- Like he's so whatever. desperate.
1: This man is so desperate for success yeah. that he will leech off the success- the, the hypothetical success of people that have been in his life for, you know, however fucking long. And it's, it's just really kind of yuck. The songs, Briefcase, and What If We did
3: Engage in a trend in country radio that has been terrible and unproductive, which is uh, getting a female vocalist on there and, and she doesn't do anything. Not a,
2: not a damn really. thing. Really. Laurie McKenna must owe someone money.
3: Like yeah. Carly Pierce put out a great album last year uh, that Shane McAnally, the guy that produced, tell oh, you're out here, Shane McAnally, also <laughs> hunger dunger uh, day, her album, which is very good.
0: <laughs> and Lauren
3: McKenna also put out a great album last year called Storyteller, but they're both on this album and they have absolutely nothing to do. I mean, really, the same can be said about Mercy Me, but at least Mercy Me is going to give him a marketing boost in another demographic. I don't know who's going to come here just to listen to
0: Laura McKenna or Carly Pearce, but they're both being wasted. A, a deeply sad human being is who. We, we recommend lots of more niche country artists on this show, and I'm very glad that we take an initiative to do so, frankly, because like part of me hates the shallow take of the whole, like, oh, no, country music is good, because it's just like, dude, that's like saying any genre of music isn't good, because you're just wrong. You just don't look. But at the same time, it's a genre that's so saturated with shit exactly like this. Mm. It's like, please, I'm begging you, go listen to the Jason Isbells and the Rustin Kellys and the the, the anyone fucking else of the world.
1: Maybe, like, maybe thank maybe, you, Morgan. Maybe that's our lesson: is that we've done the, we've had our fun here with this album, but we need to, we need to go back to the platforming. hey i think we
0: earned it if nothing else we've done a great job at being like hey go listen to go listen to the high women album go listen to fucking uh already uh, had uh,
1: miranda lambert mentioned um yes the the martha tapes go listen to that like yeah fucking pine grove go listen to cardinal go do that (laughs) yeah Mm. like um this might be the year that i try and like make a concerted effort to get more into like the good stuff in in this genre of a more of americana country they they
0: reference it enough go listen to hank williams jr for fuck's sake yeah anyway Mm
1: -hmm. let's wrap this up with our (laughs) favorite tracks and ratings for country stuff the album uh let's go in reverse order so gene why don't you lead us off on this
3: all right uh favorite track is briefcase (laughs) i almost want to say aa but i won't least favorite
0: track Oh, that's hard. Do I only get one? You can t- pick three. Who fucking cares? This is our show. Craig,
3: Country Stuff, I'm three. and You Girl. I give it a two out of ten. Try harder.
1: My favorite songs... <laughs> Are, or the, the, the least terrible songs in this record are briefcase which again i think is genuinely good what if we did and delorean which is actually i like the production on that song and it's one of the least offensive lyrically it's kind of goofy um not a great very good song but it's all right um it certainly picks the album want to go back the to War the fortress. origin
0: of love like the first one like the first one <laughs> okay uh,
1: Three worst tracks, I completely concur with Jen. It is Country Stuff, Craig and You Girl. They're absolutely the three Nadirs of this record. Uh, And I'm going to give the album a very light three out of ten.
2: In my notes, I have where I usually just write fave tracks. I have fave ellipses tracks? Question mark? And then nothing. Uh, Least favorite is uh country stuff fancy like and craig and i am going to give this uh uh, frankly i feel a generous 1.5 out of (laughs) ten i i really don't think I maybe i didn't emphasize enough how fucking trying this was especially this
0: week i mean frankly that's it's you get two sides of the shit coin here You get the legitimately offensively awful Sam Hunt, and then you have the legitimately inoffensively awful Walker Hayes. And the the one is offensive and bothers you because it's, you know, all of its intent is hateful. And then you get another thing which isn't intentful at all and is artless. My three favorite songs are No Thank You. My least favorite songs are... Fancy like, country stuff, and Craig. Two point five.
1: I can't believe that I legitimately believe Fancy Like to be in like the top half of this album. <laughs> How crazy. I mean, is it's that? like a it's like a
0: functional song, I guess, but like, fucking. I want to I, I want to fucking hmm. like garrote myself when I hear it. I I I, I
1: hate it. Well, that is an average rating overall of 2.3, which I'm pretty certain is the lowest rating we've ever given for a new release review on this podcast. Because before it Seer? was... Oh, uh, wait, I'm, I'm probably... Yeah, no, Sear's got to be lower. Sear is definitely lower. I always and like we Seer. never,
2: we never officially reviewed Sam Hunt, did we? No, we did no. not.
1: But the thing about Sear that you're forgetting, Jake, is that it's not an album. You know, and you... What is this? This is this an it's
0: album? It's in
3: the title, so this is an album. It's right in the name.
0: Yeah, it's right in the title. Change my middle name to handsome and get some it's country
1: stuff. The album I identify as country stuff. The attack helicopter. You. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, Fuck you. I, uh,
0: what do you? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Anyway, let us know. I at will home. shit in you. Let us know at home what you thought of these ones. <laughs> we reviewed That's my this line. Week. Um, let us know what you think of the new Pine Grove, let us know what you think of the new Walker Hayes, if you heard that, either or, no, you don't have to listen to both, but um, I don't, we I don't care hear... what you have
0: to say about the new Walker Hayes
1: album. No, We want to hear your takes, genuinely, in the comments below, interaction is what feeds us, like, we do this so that hopefully at least one or two people out there will get a kick out of it, so if you are one of those people, we'd love to hear from you in the comments below. Uh, If you're watching, well, that is if you're watching on YouTube as well, although if you're listening on Spotify, I'll add a a question where you can like give your thoughts on the records, because Spotify has that feature. If you're listening on Spotify, please consider giving the podcast a five-star rating. Ratings really help us. It makes a big difference with podcasts, whether you're on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you're listening. If you're watching on YouTube, please give the video a like as well. That helps us in a big way that we really can't emphasize enough. Um, if you haven't already please subscribe to the channel as well that makes a big difference too we our sub count has been ticking up in a really nice way lately we'd really love to get to like 1200 by the end of maybe this month if that's not too ambitious mm-hmm. it's definitely ambitious but we could we, potentially we could do it um, and so if you haven't already subbed that would make a big difference If you really enjoy what we do, and you want to support the channel on our YouTube page, you can hit the join button and for just $1 a month. You can support the channel and become a regular member of the the Tea family which entitles you to certain perks such as such as. A special thing by your name when you comment priority comment responses, you get your name featured at the title scroll of every video we put on the channel. And you also get a priority if you want to give us recommendations for records to listen to as well, so. That's hopefully some incentive to support us, but of course, it's up to you. In two days' time, as per usual, we'll have a record club up for this week on Tori Amos's Little Earthquakes, so stick around for that. And yeah, we'll also be hitting you very soon with a Dillinger Escape Plan discography video, so that is something to be very excited about as well. Thank you, Jen, for joining us as this week's guest on the podcast. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you, uh, particularly as an authority on country music and also to account for what you've done in making us review Walker Hayes. As always, folks, rock over London, rock on Chicago, natural light beer, brewed in America.